We have two special speakers this morning, Dr. Myers and Sister Denise Johnson. Amen. They're both going to come. Let's give them a hand clap. Amen. They're going to come and bring forth the message. Dr. Myers will be speaking second. She is, of course, Bishop's wife. She has her doctorate degree in psychology. Amen. And she's the pastor's mom. Amen. So we're honored to have her today. Amen. And Sister Denise Johnson is coming right now to speak to us. And she's the principal of Anderson Elementary in Rockledge. Amen. She has two beautiful daughters, Rachel and Michelle. Amen. She's the bishop and Dr. Myers' daughter and pastor's sister. Amen. So we want her to come right now and speak to us. Thank you. And happy Mother's Day. Will all of the mothers just wave their hands? Wow, don't you look beautiful. I give honor to you. And what about sons and daughters? Could you wave your hands? That should be everyone. That means we've all been touched by a mother. I want to give honor to my beautiful mother, Dr. Margaret Myers. And my wonderful father, Bishop Myers. Honor to my brother, who cannot be here today, but I miss him when he's not here. And it's an honor to fill the pulpit that belongs to him. I give honor to my two beautiful daughters as well that made me a mother, Rachel and Michelle, and to my adorable granddaughter, Jamie Kate. While you're standing, I would like for us to look at Luke 1. We're going to read the passage 26 through 30 about the mother of Jesus Christ, Mary. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Today I would like to speak to you about finding favor. Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to speak forth your word. I pray that you will anoint our ears, our minds, and our hearts to receive it. Let your spirit speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Wow, favor with God. 
Sounds quite elegant, doesn't it? I think she was afraid at first, but she walked into the favor. Jesus could have chosen anyone to be his mother. In fact, he's the only one who has walked this planet that had that choice. And he chose Mary. Finding favor. How? I'll never forget when one of my daughters said to me, Mom, who's your favorite? Maybe you've been asked the same thing, Mom. Or maybe you've thought it as a child. I don't have any favorites. Both my girls are very special to me. And both were gifts from God. But, but Mom, who do you love the best? I think even Peter asked the Lord that. Who is it that you love? I love you both the same. I don't have any favorites. But there were times when I had to show favor to one for something in particular. And I'm sure all of you moms did too. Lots of favors for our kids. Favor is important. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. So let's look at some scriptures together. Proverbs 22.1 A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Favor adds value. Favor is a game changer. But favor with God mandates a mission. It was the favor that destined that young, insignificant Jewish girl to become the mother of Jesus Christ. It was favor that took Moses from the Nile River to royalty. It was favor that took Ruth from a foreign country to the house of Boaz. It was favor that brought Esther from being a poor, orphaned girl to being queen. It was favor that brought David from dwelling with the sheep in the thickets to the throne of Israel. In fact, let's look at Psalms 119.58. What did David say about favor? I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. It mattered. It mattered to David that he had God's favor. Favor took Peter from mending the, the fishing nets to preaching the sermon of salvation on the day of Pentecost. And the first Pentecostal church of Jerusalem was started. It was favor that brought Joseph from the pit to Potiphar's house, to the prison, and then to the palace. Oh, but wait a moment. Did you say prison? 
Was that God's favor? It was part of his destiny. It was part of his mission. And that's what we see in the word of God. It's not that God's favor brings a life of luxury. There's a mission that comes when you find favor in God's eyes. So what is stated in Acts 7, 9, and 10? We remember of Joseph. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. You mean God was with him in the pit? God was with him at Potiphar's house where he experienced a lot of trouble with Potiphar's wife? You mean God was with him in the prison? Yes, he was there. Joseph had favor with God. It didn't mean his life was easy. And it didn't mean that he had all the answers. But God brought him to the palace. He delivered him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh of, of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Favor allowed Solomon to rise from being an illegitimate child to being the wisest, richest, and most powerful ruler of his time. And this is what Solomon said. In fact, he had a lot to say about favor. Let's look at those verses. Proverbs 30, verse 7. Lord, by thy favor thou hast made my mountain stand strong. Proverbs 14, 9. Solomon said, Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. Proverbs 12, 2, Solomon said, A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. Proverbs 8, 35, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Proverbs 3, 4, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. It was God's favor that allowed Job to withstand the enemy and even live to tell about it. Look at Job 10, verse 2. Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. So favor brings life. And favor brings grace. It brings that preservation that Job talked about. It brings peace. It brings mercy. It brings freedom. How does favor bring freedom? Because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Joseph knew that. 
Ruth knew that. Esther knew that. Joseph knew that. And Peter learned that. It also brings God's endorsement and an undeserved destiny. This mandated mission, because of God's favor, brings you God's endorsement. In the 1950s, over 60 years ago, a girl from Salem, Massachusetts, excitedly boarded an airplane for California. She leaned back her head and thought for a while, I'm sure, on this long flight from Salem, Mass. to San Jose, California. I can only guess what she was thinking. But as a graduating high school senior, she was very thrilled to be accepted at Brown University. In just a few short months, she would be entering, and it would be the fulfillment of her dream to major in psychology and become a counselor. Growing up as a devoted Catholic, she had once considered becoming a nun, but now she was on her way to visit a friend in California that had shared with her that he had attended a Pentecostal church and had a phenomenal spiritual experience. When she received the letter from him with an invitation to come and visit, she jumped at the opportunity. She made her plans, and now she was flying across the nation for this short trip before she would go to college. Here's what she didn't know and had no clue about yet. She had found favor with God. And she was about to turn on a different life path that was going to lead her on a mandated mission with an undeserved destiny because she had found favor with God. When was that? Was it when she was praying in the garden beside the Catholic Church? Was it when she attended Mass every Sunday, hoping to find out more about God? Maybe it was when she received those letters from her friend in California. And she knew, I have to learn more. I want what he has received, the Holy Ghost. I don't know when it was, but God's favor was taking her on a journey. And her life was going to change drastically. After the plane landed, the girl from Salem, Massachusetts, found herself among friends, a band of Italian people that loved and worshipped God in a very different setting than what she was used to. In fact, her first service was a little bit scary. But she felt something she had never felt before, and that was God's presence. After receiving the Holy Ghost, she decided, I can't go home. I can't leave this. 
I love these people. I love this church. And this is where I found God. Maybe I'll just um, stay here and go to college in California. So she stayed. After six months, a letter came from her father. If you don't come home now, I'm disowning you. Her heart was broken. She knew her dad was very angry. She knew she had to go home. But what her dad did not know is that his daughter was favored by God and that her life would follow a course that he had not even imagined for her. So when she arrived in Salem, Mass., she immediately started looking for a Pentecostal church. But she couldn't find one. She found one in Boston, 20 miles away, and said, wonderful, I have a church to attend. But her parents felt that she should go back to the church where she attended as a child. She refused. Her mom became very angry and said, if you do not come to church with me, the priest is coming to the house. And so he did. He went to my mother and talked to her about what she was doing and how much she needed to come back to the church of her childhood. But my mother had the opportunity to witness to the priest and tell him about the Holy Ghost. He turned to the girl from Salem and said, there's nothing else I can say. There's nothing else I can do. My grandmother is disappointed. But every Sunday, this girl from Salem took the train to the church in Boston and walked home at night from the train depot in the dark by herself night after night wondering what is God's plan for my life? Having lost her opportunity to attend Brown University her father who owned a business in Salem and a motel on Miami Beach said, you're coming with us. We're going to Florida. And he wanted her with him. I don't know. Maybe he was afraid she'd go back to California. So here she was, now 20, on her way to Miami, Florida. Wow. Wonder what's in Florida. What she did not know is that going to Florida was part of God's plan because it was after service one night that she met a tall, handsome minister. It was all part of God's plan. It was all part of God's favor. And what's so amazing is that 50 years later, she got her doctorate's degree 
and received it from, the, from Barry University on the very same street, is it Bayside Boulevard, where she was speaking, passing out tracts, and doing ministry at 20 years old. Amazing. So God had a, a mission for her, a mission of ministry. But getting that degree was pushed back for many years. 50 years later. Of course, she was a counselor. As a pastor's wife, she did a lot of counseling. But see, God knew her heart. He knew her dream. And although he mandated a mission of ministry for her life. He gave her favor beyond belief. I've been blessed to be the daughter of the girl from Salem who found God's favor and walked in the life path that he chose for her. Do you think it was glamorous being pregnant and not married? Mary, the mother of Jesus, was ridiculed. They were teasing her, jeering. It was embarrassing. But she walked in God's favor. Wow, to be the mother of Christ? What favor? But yet, here she was traveling to a foreign country, Egypt, so that Jesus could be protected as a young child. She was on a mission she had never imagined. This doesn't look that glamorous. This doesn't even feel glamorous. But she had God's favor, and God was with her. And although Mary lost her husband, and he did not have that opportunity to see the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mary did. And Mary was there on the day of Pentecost following the resurrection of Jesus. And did you know she too received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost? Praise the Lord. So how do I get God's favor? How does that happen? It begins with your heart. It begins with faithfulness to God. God's favor is an act of love. His love for us. My daughter and my granddaughter are going to sing a beautiful song for you that talks about that love and the favor that God gives us and the hope that we can have. Thank you.
So beautiful. Thank you, Mickey and Janie. And thank you, Denise. I only have one daughter, but she's the best. <laughs> the best. And I often said, if I had a dozen, and I would have known that it had been like her, I'd have them all. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God has been so good to me, this little not so little, but this person from Salem, Massachusetts. And I'm so glad to be here with you, my family, and with all of you mothers. God bless you all. Someone said it's the hardest job you'll ever love, being a mother. It's not easy, but it's worth everything, isn't it? God bless you. When I think of the word mother, I think of the word love. To me, they seem synonymous. We think we know what love is, those of us here that are mothers, but when we have that first child and we look at it, 
something stirs in us such a feeling that we have never felt before. We have known love, but this is different. This is a mother's love. I want to talk to you today about a greater love than even that, a mother's love, a greater love. And first of all, I want to go to the book of 1 Corinthians and the 13th chapter and part of the 4th through the 7th verse. This is called the love chapter in charity is interpreted love in these passages. And so it says, charity or love suffereth long, and a mother's love suffereth long. She has enough love for the long run of raising a child. Through all the good times, through the bad times, through the heartaches, through the headaches, to the celebrations, her love suffereth long. And the next verse. Seeketh not her own. She's very unselfish. You cannot be a selfish person and be a mother. I would say that's impossible. Because mothers put their children's needs before their own and they are very unselfish. And then it says, this love is not easily provoked. That means this kind of love doesn't anger easily. And mothers are patient. Mothers are very patient. Thinketh no evil. We all think good things about our children. And my daughter has been a teacher, is now a principal, and she has worked in the education world for, what, 30 years? Over. And she can tell you, when mothers come to her school and, and they, the child, their children have misbehaved and maybe they're going to be suspended, they're like, my child? Not my child. You know, my child didn't do that. My child couldn't possibly have done that because mothers think no evil. And then the next verse. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. We're not happy when they make mistakes. Maybe they make the wrong choices, but we still love them. It rejoiceth in the truth. Next verse. And it is all summed up, this mother's love, in this next verse. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Don't you think that's a great description on Mother's Day of a mother's love? Praise the Lord. But today I want to talk to you about a greater love than even that. And in John 15, 13, this is what Jesus said. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus was the love of God in human form. 
And although his ultimate mission was to come and die and give his life a ransom for our sins, that was his ultimate mission. But for three and a half years prior to that crucifixion, he went about every day preaching, teaching to the multitudes, doing miracles. And the reason that he did all this was not just to perform the miracles, but I believe everything he did was to say, I love you. I love you. I care about you. I'm God, and I love you. And the multitudes would follow Jesus. They would go and listen to him from dawn till dusk, walking. You know, everybody walked then. And I have walked in Israel, and I can tell you it's not an easy walk. There are stones everywhere. It's dirty. It's dusty. But these people were mesmerized, wouldn't you be, by the voice and the words and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so one day, after this multitude had walked with Jesus all day into the night, Jesus looked out at them and he said, these people must be hungry. They've been with me all day and they must be tired. So he said to his disciples, let's feed them. And his disciples thought, how? 5,000 plus people? Where are we going to get food? And you know the story, how he took the little boy's lunch and he performed that fantastic miracle of multiplying it so there was enough food and even leftovers for this people. But my point today is this. It wasn't just the miracle. Although it was a great miracle, but it was Jesus saying to the multitude, I love you. You're hungry? I can feed you. That was the message. And I believe that it was the motive behind miracles that he performed. Think of the time that he stopped a funeral. The Bible said there was a funeral. And Jesus was there, and the funeral was going by. And the account of it was that this widow woman had lost her only son, and they were taking him to bury him. And Jesus stopped the funeral and spoke to the dead son and said, Rise! And he rose. And the Bible said he delivered this son to her mother. What a miracle. He rose, he raised somebody from the dead. Is there any greater miracle than that? But greater than that, ladies and gentlemen, was his love. What was he saying to that woman? Oh, I can perform miracles. Yes, I'm God. And, but what he was saying to her was, I love you. I know that you've lost your only son. I love you. I care about you. Hallelujah. 
I care about you. This is your only child. I know how you feel. You don't have a husband. You have no means of livelihood. That's why he did it, because he loved her. And we're talking about mother's love today. Who could love you more than your mother? Listen to what Isaiah 49, 15 says. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Is it possible for a woman to forsake her own flesh and blood? Is that possible? It's unusual, but you and I know it's possible. There are women that leave their children on somebody's doorstep or in a place that they're just hoping that some kind person will come along and hear the baby cry, but they have no guarantee of it. Can a mother do that? Yes. They may forget, but God says, I will not forget you. Isn't that love? You know, there is no one in this world that can ever say to you with certainty, I will never leave you or forsake you. Only God can say that. People come in and out of our lives. They do. People that maybe we think love us, and then we find out it was short-lived. This is reality. But you can put your confidence in this God that we're talking about today, that God that I met in California 60 years ago. He's a wonderful Savior, and he's a wonderful God. Look at Matthew 7:11. This is Jesus speaking again. If you, speaking to the multitudes then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, and pay attention to the next three words, how much more, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? The greater love, that's what he's talking about, Greater than a mother, greater than a father. It is that great love. And my daughter, and I had no idea she was going to uh, tell the story of my conversion. Thank you, Denise. For whatever reason, God did favor me and bring me into this truth. I had to go 3,000 miles away to find it. My first plane trip from Boston to San Jose, California. And it was marvelous. I didn't understand. Um, I had been Catholic all my life. And I had never, ever been in a service like that first Pentecostal service I went to you know, where they raise their hands and the Catholic Church, and there are wonderful Catholic people. I had a wonderful Catholic grandmother 
when I'd go to her house, she was always praying with those rosary beads. And she used to go to Mass every morning. In the Catholic Church, you can go every morning. And she was a good woman. But this was different. And so I was in that first service, and I didn't understand everything, but I looked at people, and I looked at their faces, and I remember this one woman. She was speaking in tongues, which I had no clue what that was. But her face was so animated and so happy and so peaceful. I mean, it was like being in heaven, being in that church. And so she told you the story, and I did get this letter from my father, and he did say, if you don't come home, I'm going to disown you. I know my dad. He was a man of his word. <laughs> I know my dad, my Italian dad. I mean, he didn't just speak at random. If he said it, you can expect it's going to happen. So I held that letter, and I thought, oh, my God. This is horrible. And um, like she said, I didn't want to go home because I didn't know any churches like that in Salem. So when I read it, I started to cry, and I was torn between my newfound father, my heavenly father, and my earthly father. And so I went and I got the Bible, and what shall I do, you know? So I opened the Bible to Psalms 2710. God really loves us, folks. I started to find that out real soon. And here's what it said. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. That's what he led me to. Praise the Lord. Is that a coincidence? No. That's the love of God. That wasn't a coincidence. And I was thinking as I was preparing this message, I remember, and if you're not 50, you probably don't know this song. <laughs> you got to probably be at least 50. Um, the song was, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. Do you know that song? No, they don't know it. They're too young. They're too young. <laughs> they don't know that song. And so I remember hearing that song in this little church in San Jose. And I'll be honest with you. I thought, wow, that didn't ring a bell because I had just met Jesus. And they were saying, no one ever cared for me like Jesus and all the beautiful words. And, and I thought, wow. But guess what? I found out that's true. No one has ever cared for me like Jesus or you. Praise the Lord. But you know, it's really kind of sad uh, when you read even the Old Testament where God just poured out his love to those Jewish people, some of the... Uh, characters or the prophets that Denise talked about. You know, there was uh, Joseph and there was Samuel and there was Moses. And, and, you know, that was God's love, sending them all these prophets. And they stoned him, some of them. 
And look what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 37. The Jewish people were very loved by the Lord, but so many of them didn't get his message of love. And this is what Jesus said one day, looking out over that multitude we're talking about. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent. He sent them. He sent them. And, you know, I want to insert something here. God bless all our ministers, starting with my son, of course, <laughs> and my husband. You know what they are? They are messengers of love. You, if you have ever had to preach a sermon, I cannot tell you how many times I rewrote this thing. In fact, I had a totally different message than this. I had already typed it, Brandon, and it was ready to go. And that was like last Tuesday. Had it all typed, all ready to go. And Wednesday morning at 4 o'clock, the Lord woke me up and gave me this message, a greater love. Totally, and I know it was the Lord. Praise the Lord. A message of love on Mother's Day. A message of a greater love. That's my message. And, you know, the Jewish people, they didn't get it. As a nation, they rejected Jesus. Three and a half years, pouring his heart out fulfilling prophecy, healing the sick. And many of them turned their back on him. And he looked and he said, Oh, my, I would have gathered you like a hen gathereth, and you would not. They didn't get it. But, you know, there were a lot of shepherds in Jesus' day. And... Shepherds were very dedicated to their sheep, and pastors are known as shepherds. And we all are the sheep. Jesus used that comparison, and shepherds were very dedicated. They stayed with their sheep. They put their selves in life's danger like David. You know, he delivered his sheep from a lion and from a bear, and you know, I was teaching on that one Wednesday and reading that story, and I never realized it. But if you read the story of David, when he fought the lion and the bear, the Bible said the sheep was in the lion's mouth. And he went and got the sheep out of the lion's mouth and said, Cow, wow, I didn't know that. And the same thing about the bear, read it. These sheep were in the mouth. Can you imagine? What a courageous thing and how you know God had to be in it. And David, he, he understood God's love. He got it. He got it because he wrote that 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He knew what a shepherd was. He said, the Lord, I have a shepherd. And he leadeth me beside the still waters. And he takes care of me. He got it. But not everybody gets the love of God. Not everybody gets it. 
But David got it. And he said, surely, because he loves me. And I'm trying to talk about that greater love to this morning. David said, because he loves me, mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He got the love of God, but not everybody did. Another story quickly about that rich young ruler that came to the Lord. And the Bible said he was very rich. He had a lot of possessions. And he ran and he came to Jesus and he said, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, he was Jewish, you know, you have the commandments. Don't kill, don't covet, don't steal. And that rich young ruler, he was, wow, if that's it, I'm good. He said to him, I have done that. I've kept all the commandments ever since I was young. And you know, the Bible says when he said that, that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. This was a good young man. But he had one thing that wasn't going for him. And Jesus pointed it out. He said, one thing you lack, give what you have to the poor and come and follow me and you'll have treasures in heaven. Is Jesus against riches? No. Did you know David was one of the richest men that ever lived and Abraham? But this young ruler valued the riches above his God. And when Jesus said that to him, he was sorrowful. He couldn't do it. He didn't get the love of God. He didn't get it. When Jesus said, follow me, I'll give you treasures. But he didn't get it. And he walked away sorrowful. Love was staring him in the face. And he didn't get it. Oh, my God. Love was staring him. And God's love is so real. It is so, we cannot comprehend it, but it is so great. It is the greatest love, but Paul got it. He said in Philippians 3, 8, and in Romans 8, 38, 39, in Philippians, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul got it. He was shipwrecked. He was left for dead. He was beaten. He was in prison. And he said, none of that matters. Romans. And the next thing in Romans. For I am persuaded through all of that, like my daughter was talking. You know, it's not always a bed of roses because you follow the Lord. You know, it's, the Bible says rain falls on the just and the unjust. The difference is we're not alone. That's the difference. He's with us through it all. And Paul said, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature, no one can separate you from the love of God. 
Jesus said, no man can take you out of the Father's hand. Nobody. Nobody can cause you to backslide. Nobody can cause you to fail. Nobody can take you away from the church. Nobody. Nobody can separate you from the love of God. Nobody. 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 Because he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He never will. I don't care what comes and goes. Nobody can separate you from this greater love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me for 60 years. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to mention my mother before I close. This is a handkerchief she crocheted. She's been gone a long time. But you know what? God saved her. 85 years old, she got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 85. It's never too late. It's never too late. And you know what I've learned about God? He's concerned about your family. You read, you read about it. When you get saved, your family is in his radar. It is. It's in his radar. And my brother's not saved, and God's going to do something there. I know he is. And just let me share this. This is all the love of God. One day, he lives in Massachusetts. He's going to be 90, 90 this September. And I've never, he's never gone to church. He doesn't, he's not interested. But we talk on the phone occasionally, and, and I thought, you know, I guess I should call him more. He's getting old. He really needs to be saved. He's going to turn 90, and I only talk to him maybe a couple of times a year. So I was praying, and honestly, as sure as I'm standing in this pulpit, I was saying, Lord, you know, I know I bought him a Bible, and my daughter encouraged me to do that, and I don't know if he ever reads it. And so I was thinking, and I was praying, and guess what? I opened the Bible to Leviticus, and guess what it said, Brandon? Talk to thy brother. Hallelujah. What it said. It did. Leviticus, I think it's 16.2. This love of God is unbelievable. God's interested in your, he's interested in my brother. I know it. Talk to, it was talking about Moses and Aaron. But there it was, talk to thy brother. So I got to really keep talking. So as the musicians are coming and playing, move me with your message. As they play it, could we stand? And, you know, I don't know why God gave me this today, but he did. So I'm convinced that there's a lot of people in this audience that need to be reminded about this greater love. You know, I don't know what your situation is. Maybe somebody's walked out of your life. Maybe you've lost 
a loved one. I don't know. I know love is something that we all need. But I want us to think today, regardless of what your need is, that there is a God that really, really loves you. It's a greater love than anything you'll ever experience in this life. And so I want you to come and just spend just a few minutes up here and just tell the Lord that you love him and thank him for his love. You know, the greatest, the final message of his love was Calvary. That was the final one. After those three and a half years, I love you. I love your children. I can heal you. I'll never leave you. You're my sheep. Three and a half years of pleading, pleading. 1,500 years in the Old Testament of sending prophets and preaching and preaching. Finally, there it is. Hallelujah. The final act of love. The cross. What greater love than that he should lay. And I love the words of his song that said, and they're going to sing, he wrote his love in crimson red, in blood, in blood, and he wore the thorns upon his head. Let's sing that song. Move me with your message once again. Once again. It's been so long since I have broke with him.
praise you, I lift you up, and I magnify your name. That's why my heart is filled with praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for a greater love? Amen. There's no greater love than Jesus Christ. And there's second to that's the church. Amen. The church of the living God. Aren't you thankful for your brothers and sisters? Why don't you hug your brother or hug your sister? Amen. Tell them you love them. No service tonight. Amen. Spend time with your loved ones. Amen. God bless you.